50? 50? Hi everybody, Eric here. Tonight's episode marks the 50th episode of the Nature of My Game podcast. I honestly can't believe it. It feels like I was just recording the intro for episode one, but I'm so proud of all the content we've produced between then and now, and I'm incredibly excited for what we have in store for the next 50. To celebrate this milestone, we've decided to make some special edition Nature of My Game merch. So here's the deal. Everyone who is subscribed at the $5 Hope You Guess My Name tier on Patreon, which you can find at www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast, by the release of the Season 6 finale on Wednesday, March 15th, will automatically receive a Nature of My Game t-shirt. That means, for those of you who aren't already subscribed, you have two weeks to sign up, gain access to some exclusive audio content from your favorite Nature of My Game players, and get a free t-shirt shipped to your door. Couldn't be easier. I'll make sure to remind you again next week, but until then, thank you again for all your support, and sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 50. Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. You start coughing and like almost choking, and the container that the white, the, the silvery powder is in flies out of your hand. Margaret shoots Constantine. <laughs> None of you have language Latin, do you? No, I have, I have French. Are they in French too? It says that if the chant is continuous with at least one person reciting the repeating phrases aloud, the spirit must succumb. However, it warns that even the slightest disruption of the chanting may, re- may result in failure, requiring another ritual to be formed on the following night. I'm real smart. Are Constantine and Evans still in the robes? Uh, Evan is, yes. I think we established he's pulling it off. Carcasses of dead animals, squirrels and raccoons and rabbits and other things that are just lying on the, the floor of the attic. Oh, oh I, I, I saw it. I, I'm so sorry, Margaret, but it was up there. It's still up there. Father, I need help. I can tell by the look in your eye that, you, that you're serious and you need help. I'll come with you. You hear an ear-piercing shriek. And all of you see just a faint, tangling vortex rolling through the air across the yard, and it shakes leaves from the branches as it whirls by above you. New York City, August 18th, 1922. A car horn blared just a few feet away from where Jake McDonald was crossing a busy New York City street, causing him to jump and shudder. A man wearing a brimmed hat leaned out of his taxi and screamed at Jake, but he was already hurrying to the other side of the street and didn't take much notice of what the man said. This was Jake's first time in New York City, and he supposed it would be his last. He had been curious, and when he saw how close he was walking along the highway, he figured he'd come take a look. But New York City wasn't for him, that he was sure of. He wished he could leave now, but it was getting late, and if he was going to find somewhere to sleep, it would have to be here in the city. He'd wake up early, though, and set off, hopefully, to find somewhere a bit more rural, a bit more to his liking, a bit more his speed. Jake was used to having to work to find somewhere to sleep. He'd been wandering for a few years now. He'd lost count of exactly how long, but he was pretty sure it had been at least a few years since he'd returned from the Great War without a place to stay. Sure, he had a family in California, but that seemed an eternity away, and he could get by doing odd jobs to earn a few bucks, sleeping wherever he could find to lay his head. He wasn't sure exactly how that was going to work here, though. New York City didn't have much in the way of woods where he could find a tree to lean up against. But he'd make do. He always did. 
Just as he remembered that he should be watching where he was going, Jake looked up to find a man waving at him, trying to get his attention. The man was wearing a suit and smoking a cigar, standing beneath the canopy of a hotel. Hey there, Red. You look lost. Need some help? Jake was startled and said the only thing he could think to say. Red? Why are you calling me Red? The man laughed. Because your hair is red, obviously. I love giving people nicknames. So like I said, do you need some help? Jake smiled to himself. He found it pretty amusing that this man, who also had red hair, had chosen that as a nickname. Well, that wasn't entirely true. The man was wearing a red toupee, and a bad one at that. But Jake kept all of those things to himself. No reason to offend someone who was offering to help, and just said, As a matter of fact, I do. I I'm looking for a place to stay tonight, and I, I don't have much in the way of money. Know of anywhere? The name's Jake, by the way. The man puffed out a ring of smoke and clapped Jake on the shoulder with a smile. You're in luck, Red. This place right here is the best in town, and I just happen to have an extra bed. And you, my friend, look like excellent company. Jake, you said your name was? Well, how about I call you Red Jake? How's that for a compromise? I'm Mark Rourke. Nice to meet you. And with that, Jake followed his new friend into the hotel brothel bin. So because I think this episode is probably going to be a somewhat intense episode, let's start with something that is very, very not intense. Um, as we were wrapping up an episode uh, a couple episodes ago, Nick was telling us about the really, really important thing that was going on in Minneapolis that he missed to record the episode. Nick, you want to you wanna share that with the listeners? Yeah. Um, so in, in one of the wealthier parts of town, it's over on the lake, someone had a, uh, a tree get get uh, not all the way blown down in a storm, but broken and just left a pretty significant trunk. And um, the owners decided they wanted to carve it into a 20 foot tall pencil. As one does. As one does. And um, so yesterday or while we were recording yesterday, it, they had the the unveiling of the pencil and they uh, they not only brought a professional pencil sharpener in to to sharpen it, but they brought him out of retirement <laughs> and I, I said this as a joke, as a, like, I would be going to this, but I'm stuck here, um, you know, recording this podcast. <laughs> but I also realized as I was saying that, like, it was in jest, but it was also 100% true. I would have gone to the pencil sharpening. If only to see what type of person is a professional pencil sharpener, or, or even in particular, a, a retired pencil sharpener. <laughs> yes, but it, that would have been like... Independent of this or outside of this, um, I would have looked at my day and said, yes, that was the best use of my time. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, what, so when, when, you, when you sent us the picture of it, the first thing that I thought of was a trip that my family took when, when I was younger. And um, Adam, Adam and I are cousins and our families used to take trips together sometimes. We went to, I think we did other things on this trip too. But we went to Ohio. The highlight to see, of the trip. <laughs> yeah, clearly the highlight of the trip. We went to Ohio to 
where Longer Burger Baskets are based, and there is a giant building-sized Longer Burger Basket there. And I just, I I can picture it still in my head, this giant, (laughs) giant basket. (laughs) That's so ridiculous. (laughs) Did any of you take um, similar expeditions to strange places when you were young with your family? (laughs) I mean, I wasn't young. We were driving from Omaha to Chicago. Yeah, it was yesterday. (laughs) No, I mean, it is before I got married, but we were driving from Omaha to Chicago to go see Adam and friends. Um, but you just drive straight through Iowa the whole time on I-80. Um, and the world's biggest truck stop is there. Oh, nice. So naturally we stopped at the world's largest truck stop. It's nothing. (laughs) It's just a big truck stop. It's just a big truck stop. I think Adam and I made that drive the other way to come see you in Omaha too. You, you did. Yes. It's a terrible, terrible drive. (laughs) The the least, the least cars I've ever seen on any roads. (laughs) Adam, what do you remember about the giant longer burger basket? I, I well, I, my my most fond memories were our. Um, it, it was a trip. It was a trip for both of our mothers, and my most fond memories were of both of our fathers, who were brothers, um, and their commentary, uh, shall we say, <laughs> on the longer burger baskets. <laughs> uh, th- those are my most fond memories. I, I remember it it being more impressive than. I would expect a giant basket to be like it was a very, very, very large basket building, which, you know, by itself, I guess is kind of cool. But yeah, no, just just the commentary would be my favorite part. (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember what they said. I feel like I couldn't repeat it on here if I do or if I did remember what they said. (laughs) Probably fair. (laughs) Um, When... uh, we went on a few years ago when I was unemployed. I went with another one of our friends on a road trip, and somewhere in Illinois, on our way down to, um, I think we we're going to Tennessee, there was a town that specialized in world's largest things. I don't know how else to put it. They had the world's largest rocking chair, the world's largest, I think it was toy top, and the world's largest. <laughs> tractor maybe and there were a few more but it was like we're driving and we see this on the side of the road and we're like you know we have to go see the world's largest rocking chair and then as a bonus we got those these other world's largest things and it was it was an experience oh golf tee it was the world's largest golf tee it was shockingly large when you're on a mostly aimless road trip like you you have to stop at those places like it's it's, you got it's, it's almost a requirement so the uh, the one I would like to go to that I've heard of, I believe, and these details could be wrong, I believe it's a woman <laughs> in Kansas. She has the world's largest collection of the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things. So she went and visited <laughs> the world's largest rocking chair and the world's largest golf tee and the world's largest ball of time. And then she carves miniature versions and she opened it as a museum. This is fascinating. <laughs> right? It is. Oh my god, that's So I would like to go and give her some money and look at her things and then leave. <laughs> I also want to be clear that I think I think we just experienced a first here. I think this is the first time that Nick has ever said these details could be wrong like before he started the story. <laughs> Usually that's like 15 20 minutes after he says something. It's like, yeah. This is going to be permanent so someone could fact check it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so uh so let's dive back in. You in preparing to do this ritual that you all have at least realized that you now have to do, you went back down to Arkham, or back over to Arkham, 
to recruit some some assistance. You try to see if you could figure anything out about the powder of Ibn Ghazi, which you did. Um, it seems like it does what, what they thought it did and that you can't get any more. Uh, but you also recruited a priest, Father McCartney, and two other Miskatonic University students to at least help you with the chanting portion of the ritual. And when you got back, as the sun was setting, you all saw a faint tangling vortex rolling through the air and shoot across the yard and over your heads. Uh, you think that the, the creature, for some reason, has left the attic for the time being. And so we're going to start out our session with a sanity check, of course. Dude, uh, you okay, wanted to say I'm, something? Uh, I'm, I'm just going to argue. Well, I had, I had a like. When we're picturing this, like, tangle, like, when you're saying tangling vortex, is it, like, a different, I mean, is it, I'm, like, kind of picturing it, like, um, when heat's coming off the road on a hot day where it kind of distorts the air. Is that kind of what it's supposed to look like, or, like, in a wind form? Yeah, I mean, as most of the unimaginable horrors, like, you're not supposed to quite be able to picture it in your head unless you see it, but yes, it's it's like the, the air is distorted, that you know something is moving and you hear it shriek, but you it's hard, to, you can't exactly see it. Okay, and then my second argument is, like, we just <laughs> saw this thing. Do, do, is it really going to affect my sanity again? You just saw this thing. <laughs> so his argument stands... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I am not going to make you roll a sanity yes. check. You you already saw this thing. Okay. <laughs> so so my sanity forty five under sixty. All right, Evan is as sane as ever. You've seen creepy wind before. Yeah. All right. So you neither of you is affected though. I am going to make a couple of rolls for our friend our friends from the university. So Father McCartney, I don't know if you were lucky when you found this guy that he seems to, you know, really have his wits about him and like was willing to believe you, but he he stands firm. But the two students seem definitely freaked out. They don't like panic and run off, but they are noticeably nervous after seeing this and they're like, "Oh my god, what 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 was that? Is that is that what the is that the is that it?" So in a in a strange moment like this obviously isn't usually Constantine's thing, um interpersonal interactions that much, but because it, it has to do with this, and he has already seen it. He's just going to, like, kind of go over and just go, like, it's okay. We, we have a plan. You, you guys just have a very specific role. Everything's going to be okay. We we know what we're doing. We're, we're, we're going to be okay. Right, Evan? Right, Mar- Margaret? We're, we're going to be okay, right? Yep, everything will be fine. We'll be okay. I think they, they, they seem slightly more comforted. So it's probably 8 o'clock or so, so you've got about four hours before... You are set to start the ritual. What are you doing to pass the time? Any any prep- any other preparations you want to make? Or um... uh, Evan would like to ask everyone if they've been on any unusual road trips. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about. They only talk about giant baskets. They they, uh, they they spend the next four hours talking about giant baskets. Five hours. They accidentally miss midnight and have to wait till the next day. No! <laughs> I mean, I think we, you know, probably, like, go in. I think we could also, like, also, like, reassure, like, Constantine also be like, and now the, the spirit's out of the house, so it, it will be safer in there. It'll be safer in there for us. We're, 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 we're all right. We're all right. Margaret gets everything as set up as it can be. Like, gets the, gets the chalk lined up, gets the fire built, I guess, the wood and stuff. We have to make the pentagram while the chanting is going on. We can't, like, pre-pentagram it. You can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't pre-pentagram. So we okay. we should distribute the roles. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how how do you think you would want to set it up? So we we've got uh 
We've got our chanters, we've got the pentagram, and we've got somebody to burn the powder, correct? Yes. And we need a and we need a guardian. And then a watcher, yeah. A watcher. Mm-hmm. But who watches the watcher? <laughs> I'm good with whatever. I guess Margaret would probably prefer not to chant. I don't know if she necessarily needs to be the watcher, but like, I got the big gun. I'll start shooting if I need to. Um, Constantine will volunteer to uh, draw just because he, with his occult experience. F- Father McCartney probably knows Latin, so I assume he can uh, lead the chanting with his students. Yes, I think the I think Father McCartney and the and the two students would be they're down to chant. I'm not sure they're down to do much else. They're down to chant. Great, <laughs> great cult DT- skills right there. DTC. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> do you ask Do you ask them to put on the robes? Absolutely. I, I mean, eventually. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. They're also down to wear the robes. <laughs> the students, especially, like the the priest, is like, oh, this is kind of like a cassock, and puts it on. But the the students are into it for sure. Like, I absolutely thought it was ridiculous when Evan and Constantine were just wearing the robes, but now that we're, like, really in it, Margaret is into the robe. Oh, yeah. I mean, Constantine <laughs> okay. thinks that this is a important part of this all. Yeah, so once once we're kind of established, um, I, I assume that still leaves a fair amount of time. So Evan Evan's pretty nervous. He's going to read over the ritual a couple times. Then he's going to kind of pace. He's going to trace his steps from uh, from his sweep earlier around, just like double, triple checking to see if he missed anything, stopping, reviewing the ritual again. Just he's, he's movement right now. He can't stop, can't sit, doesn't really want to talk to anyone. Constantine's going to wander um, outside, maybe. T- Is it still quiet around the house? Like no animals, no anything? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so he's just still going to wander around the house, maybe snapping some pictures of... Nature of the house. He'll probably take at least one picture of, you know, maybe people getting ready for the uh, putting the robes on like the like a, a wedding photographer uh, snapping a picture of the groomsman getting ready or something. <laughs> that is such a great visual. <laughs> just just a couple incriminating photos. It's fine. I think it's yeah. Again, I mean, it's 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 subconscious for him. I mean, this is not only what his profession, but it's also um kind of how he manages his um, mental state and life at this point. Yeah. Um, when when Constantine was attacked in the attic, like, was it a, did he, like, get shoulder checked? Like, was it a physical presence that hit him, or was it, like, a gust of wind? Because, like, Margaret would probably scope around looking for some sort of, like, I don't know, another robe or a blanket or something that could just be, like, tossed over it if it is, like, a physical creatures like to restrain it if need be but if it's just like magic wind that wouldn't do any good (laughs) so constantine didn't actually constantine didn't actually get hit by it he was able to dodge it so he didn't feel anything he just he he dodged he he like get in getting out of the way he fell off the ladder I'm sorry. I should have. I should have taken one for the team and allowed it to hit. Yeah, me you so really, have more you knowledge. really should have. My bad. <laughs> okay, I didn't. I, I, I wasn't sure if like it had actually hit him and just knocked him over, or if he fell because he lost his balance. Okay, well, in that case, I was hoping you were gonna say that you were gonna look for a giant fan to to, to try to knock it backward, <laughs> blow the wind away. All right, sorry. Uh, no, in that case, I don't know. I'll look for like a blanket or or a rope or something that could theoretically be used to restrain something if need be. Gotcha. Okay, so um, Evan, are you planning to be the? Are you are you the the person tending to the fire? Or are you planning for a different role? Uh, yeah. Yep. Tending to the fire, burning okay. some chemicals. 
and then Constantine, after you draw the pentagram, which starts at the beginning, are you going to join the chanting? Are you going to... Who did we establish who the watcher is? Is it Margaret? I was kind of assuming it would be Margaret, yeah. Yep. I, I think he will join the chanting because it seems um, important, but he will also keep his eyes um, kind of open for the entity to not even necessarily because he thinks that he'd be able to affect it, but maybe he'd be able to lend some insight um, to it to, to direct Margaret. Um, so, but definitely the chanting. Gotcha. And then Evan, I think you would just think about like the, the tending the fire is not a constant thing. So it's like something you have to pay attention to, but it's not, you won't be like fully consumed. So I think you can also support Margaret in kind of keeping an eye on things at least. Um, yeah. If anything happens. Yep. All right. So Margaret, what are you doing? Um, other, so you said that you're, you're, um, looking for something that, you know, might be able to use to restrain something, but like, what do you like? Uh, I think Constantine and, and Evan have both said they're kind of like trying to keep themselves calm for, for Constantine. That looks like taking photographs and walking outside for Evan. It's kind of pacing around, maybe rereading the ritual a bunch of times. Like, how are you feeling and what do you do to, to, to kind of manage that? She's definitely nervous. Um, so she's like cleaning, recleaning the gun, um, loading, unloading, making sure everything's in working order while also like chanting Hail Marys. Got it. Got it. And I think you also, all three of you would probably have identified that the back room is probably the the best place to perform the ritual. Um, the front room has the, the warped floors, which would make the pentagram difficult. And there was a fireplace oh, in the back fireplace. room, correct? Yes, there's a fireplace. Yeah. So you, yeah, you can do the fire in there. All right. Um, Constantine, give me a listen roll. Ooh. It is a... 26 over 20, but I'm going to spend six luck uh, to get it to be a success. So pass. Okay. So um, so as you are kind of walking around outside, it's maybe 10 o'clock or so. You're, you're, you know, walking around, you're taking photographs, and you hear a scream off in the distance in the woods. It sounds like a man screaming out in pain. And then it's just cut short. No. Red. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> startled. Um, not going to hesitate. Constantine will, you know, um, run inside and immediately go up to um, whoever's closer, either Evan or Margaret, and be like, there was a scream in the woods. Come quickly. Come quickly. Not bothering to hide his voice to try to keep other people calm. That's not, not what he's thinking, but just to get them. What time is it? It's about 10 o'clock. I'll go. I'll go and inspect. Come on. Evan will grab a gun and uh, follow. Grab a shotgun. Okay. And then we'll go, yeah, toward where the... Did it? Well, I was able to hear the scream, so it can't be that far. So, yeah, we'll go toward the scream. All right. So you you start kind of walking through the woods. You have the, the lantern. You know, one of you is holding the lantern, and it's kind of swaying back and forth in the in the, the night air. You kind of have to tromp through the woods. It's There's no clean path. And after about a half an hour of searching, trying to kind of pinpoint where Constantine heard the sound from, you do come across Red Jake. He's lying in a heap on the ground, and his his chest has been, his chest and his rib cage have been totally ripped open. And it looks like organs, maybe his heart has been ripped out from from inside him. Um, so I'm going to need you all to make sanity checks, of course, because this is a horrible, gruesome sight. I'm so sad. 
I know. Brandy is going insane from this. <laughs> poor, poor <sighs> Red Jake. 21 under 68. Uh, 34 under 60. 65 over 16. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So you take two more points of sanity damage, Constantine, right. which I believe... It does. That's the... <laughs> We're there. All right. So um, there are kind of two... There are two steps to both indefinite insanity and temporary insanity. This is indefinite mm-hmm. insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is a immediate bout of madness, and then there's kind of a lingering effect. So we're, we're going to start okay. with the bout of madness. So Constantine sees the body of Red Jake, and he just takes off running back toward the house. He's just sprinting, like, paying no mind where he's going, not saying anything to to either Evan or Margaret. Uh, roll me a dex roll, please, Constantine. Uh, 79 over 55. All right, and you, you're, you're running so fast. You're so afraid. You're just trying to get away from this body, and you trip over a root, and you're able to kind of catch your fall, um, but you, like, you scrape up your hands really badly. Probably, especially the one that was that was a little weaker because of the, your shoulder damage from before, and so you take one point of damage. But you just get right back up and you keep running. Mm-hmm. And then, when you get back into the clearing, you like some something about moving from the woods into the yard of the house switches something for you, and you just stop and stand there. And there's something that feels just very comfortable about not moving. Uh, okay. Um, so the, the whole time that, you know, he's, he's running and he's in this, this, um, manic state, he's just muttering like Myrtle, Myrtle, I can't, it can't happen again. Not, not again, not again. Myrtle, Myrtle, what, what, what should I do? Like, what, what can we do? Um, and so, you know, he trips, he does that, he gets up. Um, and I think that he is just get, you know, you're, he gets in, yeah, he gets to the state of, um, calm he doesn't want to move he has a moment of 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 maybe peace from from all of this but even maybe even a moment of peace from the last like three or four years when his life has just gone down um after everything that's happened to him and he just isn't going to move just going to stand there stock still okay so then switching back to margaret and evan you come across this body of red jake its chest and rib cage have been ripped open and then you see constantine just sprint off the, back in the other direction. What do the two of you do? Uh, Evan's definitely shocked and, and needs a moment and definitely looks to Margaret to see what her reaction is as well. Um, but it, his his first, his thought after that is to, to go after Constantine. Margaret, like, recognizes that this dead body is bad and wrong, but her first instinct is to chase after Constantine. There's no, there's no moment for shock or anything. Yeah. So the two of you head back through the woods, probably at a, a slightly more reasonable pace than Constantine, and you get back into the yard, and you see Constantine is there. He's just standing completely still in the yard. Like, the, the weeds are kind of, you know, around him. He's, like, in the tall grass, and he's just standing completely still. And you walk over to him, you see that his face is now dirty, his hands are dirty and bloody. Margaret goes up to him and she tries talking to him. She's like, "Hey, Constantine, are are you okay? What what happened?" Constantine, shocked that someone else spoke, like um, jumps and looks at Margaret. And for a second, there is no there is no recognition. I mean, you can tell in his eyes that he he does not recognize Margaret. Um, and then he comes 
maybe back um, to himself a little bit, and, and and he tries to. He's just like I, the, the 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 body and Red Jake and 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 Myrtle and 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 the wind and uh, why. What, what 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 happened? What's going on? What what happened? And he turns, and I think he looks down, and um, his camera is maybe part of it's come loose or something like that, and that's he just gets completely focused on trying to repair his camera, making sure that it gets gets back. Nothing nothing that looks like necessarily permanent, but he is just going to focus on his camera. Margaret like reaches out and puts her free hand on his shoulder, and she's just like, "It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay." Just you know, murmuring platitudes and just trying to calm him down and he kind of just slowly nods and goes "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm and just is fixing his camera not not paying much attention to that evan do you want to try to go back inside are you going to leave him outside are you going to stay outside with him uh probably probably kind of watch from the porch front door area stay near listen for you know anything with uh with father mccartney you know kind of just trying to keep an eye just keep anyone else from freaking out again I think Margaret will stay close to Constantine, maybe, you know, give him a few feet, but she'll stay in the clearing with him, trusting that Evan has a good grip on what's happening inside the house since he's right on the porch. And if if no one interacts with Constantine, he is going to completely fix his camera, but then it almost gets a little more frantic, um, but still um, controlled. He is just going to keep, like, taking parts of it uh, apart, and putting them back together and fixing it and fixing it and fixing it. And he's just going to keep keep going and keep going and keep going. And unless someone interacts with him, he is just going to keep going and keep doing that. Okay, so I think I see that go on for 10 minutes um, of him just constantly breaking and fixing his camera before I decide to step in and be like, is there anything I can do? Um, and again, he he looks up and there's that surprise that there there's that Margaret you're there not not a lack of recognition like earlier but just surprised that there's somebody else there um and he'll he'll just be like no 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 just 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 fixing the camera just just it's okay it's okay Myrtle Myrtle would Myrtle would want to make sure that it was okay and she'd want to make sure that 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 this could happen we got got to do it for Myrtle got to do it for Myrtle and I, I like Charlie try I slowly try to touch the camera just want to know what happens if someone else touches this camera. Um, I think he is surprised, but doesn't like doesn't like freak out or anything. He he allows you to to touch it. I mean, he jerks, but you know, unless you like try to grab it from him, but he's okay with it. Okay, I'm like I'm like I think I think your camera is fine. I think I think Myrtle Myrtle thinks this is good okay. too. I think okay. everything's all right. Do you do you want to sit down, calm down, come inside, or do you want to stay right here? We 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 can go inside. We can go inside. I trust you, Margaret. I trust you. You've always been good to me. And then I like I don't know, escort him inside. I keep a hand on his shoulder or something. Not his busted shoulder. Yeah. I'm not that mean. <laughs> Squeeze <laughs> a little bit. All right. So the three of you make your way back inside. It's getting closer and closer to midnight. The priest and the two students are just kind of practicing the chant over and over again to make sure they have it down. And I think they've also probably, like, started a fire in the fireplace. Like, they, they could see that, that you were all kind of preoccupied with something else, and they they are continuing to kind of get the preparations ready as we lead up to midnight. Do we need to put the fire out? Like, do we need to start the fire at the same time we start the ritual? Or can the fire be burning? We just have to the... No, it, it didn't say that. It's just okay. you just had to add the powder to the fire as it's starting. All right, so the clock strikes midnight, and... 
the priest and the students start chanting. Evan, you start to kind of feed the fire with the with the powder and you know, you've got other wood ready to go to like make sure the fire stays going. Constantine, you're able to kind of shake your mind free from the obsession with the yeah. camera enough to start drawing the pentagram. Yeah, I was going to say, as soon as the chanting starts, I think it kind of breaks him out of, maybe he hasn't been quite as focused on the on fixing and taking it apart, but he's still focused on the camera, and that kind of breaks him out of it. And he goes to start the um, pentagram, but he stops, reaches into his pocket, takes out, you, can, you can't see what's on it, but a picture, um, walks over to the fire, throws it in the fire, and then looks at Evan, and like in a kind of out of character for him, just goes, for luck. And walks back over and starts starts on the pentagram. All right, so you get the pentagram drawn. Um, you know you're 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 pretty artistic anyway, and um, you know you. I think you've always found that you, Constantine, have just kind of a knack for doing things, and so it it comes pretty easily for you to draw this pentagram. And so it seems like the ritual starts off smoothly enough. The the group is chanting. Constantine, you said you, you're joining in on the chanting as you, um, after you kind of finish the pentagram, you start to join in the, on the chanting as well? Yeah. All right, and so you you all kind of hear the group chanting, O Spiritus Vos Per Pontentium Sapentium Virtum Exorcio Per Scientium Divinium Anemque Tenebrosum over and over, there's, you know, the, none of it makes much sense to you. The group gets through one round of the chant, and they, they continue to chant. They start over. And for about 15 minutes, everything seems to be going smoothly. Evan, you're you're adding the power at regular intervals, and every time you do, sparks kind of fly, and the, the color of the fire changes. And then, after about 15 minutes, you all feel... A sudden jolt as the entire house is shaken from its foundation. And even after the moment of the jolt, the house starts to sway around you, creaking loudly and violently as if it could collapse on you at any moment. And then you start to hear it from above you, horrible howling interspersed with foul curses. I know who you are, you vile, unworthy things. Every one of you will suffer, and no one will care when you're gone. You will not survive. And I need all of you to roll me a sanity check, please. Uh, that's a failure for Evan. Okay. Failure for Margaret. Failure for Constantine. Oh, failures all around. Did anybody, uh, did anybody critically fail? Anybody 96 or above? No. 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 All right. So let's start, with, uh, let's start with Evan. Evan, you take one point of sanity damage. Uh, Margaret, you take two points of sanity damage. And Constantine, you take one point of sanity damage. So let's start with Evan. How, what? It, how do you react to this moment? What is the what is the losing the sanity uh, show up as for you? I think it uh, it would channel into the the fear of the ritual failing, and so the focus is straight onto uh, to Father McCartney, and just if there's any slip in him chanting any pause for a breath any stumbling over the words it's just a stern stern keep chanting keep chanting from evan okay what about you margaret she's worried that her usual means of protection are going to fail but aims her gun up at the attic anyway and just 
paces back and forth, just looking up there, just waiting, waiting to pull the trigger. Um, and I think Constantine, his his chanting slips. Um, he stops his chanting, um, and there's more there's more muttering under his breath. You can't even necessarily make it out. He he is just feeling the weight of of the exploration he's done into the occult and the things he's seen, um, and and what it's kind of what it's kind of doing to him. But he stops his chanting. Uh, maybe for a minute um, before he kind of again get comes back to himself and um, re-steals himself a little bit. And Constantine, I think as you stop the chanting, you start to hear that same growling voice in your head, the 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 same one that everyone heard all around you, but now it's just in your head, and you just hear it saying, "Run, run, run!" No. No, no, I, I, I can't. I can't. They, they need me. I, I, I need to do this. I, it, I need to do it for Myrtle. I need, I need to do it. I need to for the fam, for, 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 for Grandpa Jack. I, I, need, I need to. I can't run. Roll me a power check. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm running. <laughs> <laughs> That's an eighty-nine over twenty. Oh boy, <laughs> you are out of there. So, Margaret and Evan, you just see. See you see. You see that Constantine like is is struggling with himself. Like he, he seems like he's like debating something in his mind, and then he just takes off toward the back door. What do the two of you do? Forgive me, Myrtle. Forgive, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, Evan, Margaret. Forg- and just take off. He's gone. Slamming door. <laughs> no, what? Uh, Margaret and Margaret and, and uh, Evan, you have a chance to you have a chance to react. He hasn't he hasn't left the building yet, but he is running for the back door. Uh, I I think without without taking his eyes off Father McCartney Evan may try to grab or will try to grab for uh, for Constantine but but clearly at best half of his focus gotcha alright I'm gonna give you a penalty die for that but first Constantine do you think when when Evan tries to grab you do you think you fight back or do you think you try to dodge um I guess more do- I would say that he just keeps running um and either plows through or tries to get away so maybe fight back I don't like he's not like trying to push him off of him, but I just imagine him like going forward and he's a larger guy. So he's probably difficult to stop. So, yep. Yep. That makes sense. I think that's a I think that's probably a maneuver to like, you know, escape. Yeah. Um, yes. So why don't you give me a a fighting brawl roll and Evan, you're going to give me a a fighting brawl check um, with a penalty <sighs> die. So you're going to roll the tens digit twice and take the worse. It's a 48 under 50 a success. <laughs> Of course, I succeeded this. <laughs> uh, that's an 81 over uh, 41, I believe. Okay. Um, Margaret, what, is there anything you're doing? Uh, she yells, like, Constantine, stop. Uh, she's going to chase after him. But fortunately, she found that blanket earlier, so she's going to try to check it over his head and see if it'll restrain him or at least make him run into the wall. Yep. All right. So, um, so in this case, th- this is this is a situation where you're where Constantine is facing multiple attackers, which means that Margaret actually gets a bonus die on this one. So you're gonna roll roll twice and take the better of the or roll the tens digit twice and take the better of them. And Constantine, I need you to roll me another fight back check. Yeah. What am I rolling for? Oh, sorry. Uh, fighting brawl. Okay. Seventy over fifty fail. Uh, 37 over 25 is a fail. Let me look at my luck here. 
Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, in game rules, if someone tries to fight back and you tie, the attacker wins. And so in this case, your fail and his fail, you win. Oh, nice. Then no and luck so, roll. So you, you like grab this blanket and you throw it over Constantine and just kind of try to hold him tight. And Constantine, this, this blanket is, it's moldy, it's mildewy, it's old, it's, you know, it's been here a long time. And I think just the like awful smell of it wrapped around your head just like breaks you out of the flea reaction that you were having. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so he's gonna be like, ah, ah, Pearl, Pearl. Okay, I, I, I'm here. I'm back. I'm, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. We can, we can keep going. We need to keep going with the ritual. I'm okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, we, can, we can keep going. We can keep going. Does Margaret believe me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, takes the I mean, butt of her gun and knocks me out. No, she would never. She did have to set down her gun to throw the blanket, though, so she picks her gun back Uh-oh. up. <laughs> Hoping nothing has happened in the last three seconds. I feel like Evan, like, barks out, like, keep chanting, even though clearly the priest and the two students have continued to chant this whole time. <laughs> yep. I, Constantine is going to probably stay, like, I'm imagining him, like, fault, like sitting on the ground, and he's going to stay seated. He'll join in the chanting as much as he can, but it's a good thing it's not just him chanting, um, because yeah. he's he's rocking back and forth. I mean, he's you know, he, again, he's more focused, um, but he's still, he's a little out of it. And at this point, I mean, the, the, so the house is still kind of swaying around you and, like, there are creaks and these sudden jolts that hit the house. It's it's as if the, the house is in the middle of, like, a like a terrible storm or, like, tsunami and it's just being rocked all over the place, even though you were all you know, the house is still obviously standing on solid ground. And Constantine, I think you're the first one to notice because you start to smell a smell. And at first you're like, is this the, like, I, I was just smelling this on the blanket. Like, why, it, the blanket's not on me anymore. Why is it, why am I smelling this? But then all of you start to smell this horrible, inexplainable smell creeping down from up above you. And you all look up and you see a thick, stinking goo dripping down through the ceiling and down the walls. And I need you to all make me a luck roll, please. Ooh, one. Ooh. Nice. Ooh. Uh, 34 under 55. Uh, 92 over 16. Can you critically succeed on uh, <laughs> on a luck, luck? roll? Sure. I don't know why not. Um, so I think I think the way that manifests for you, Constantine, is that like you like basically just ignore that this is even happening and you just continue chanting and you're like you're you're doing a better job chanting now because you're focused on it than you were even doing before. All right. And the goo starts to kind of drip down and run down the walls and drip down from the ceiling. And Margaret, I think you know you're you notice it pretty quickly and you're able to kind of find a spot where it's not dripping. But you know w- because you're so hyper focused on the priest. Evan, you don't see it, and you like put your back up up the wall, and the goo kind of drips down the back of your shirt, and you take one point of damage as it kind of burns the back of your shirt and and the skin on the back of your neck before you Oof. jump up. Does Constantine notice the goo? I think barely. Or, I think okay. ba- I think it All barely right. registers. Okay, Evan, uh, it will tear off the robe in in response to it. I assume it's saturated into the robe. So at least get that off him. No, the robes were our only chance. Now it's ruined. (laughs) So I I think we know where Evan's head's at, but Margaret and, and, uh, sorry, I think we know where Constantine's head's at. Margaret and Evan, like, 
you know, not, not only not only are you like have been thrust in this situation where you're doing this ritual, but like now you have seen real like physical manifestations of what's going on here. Like, wh- what are you thinking? You know, what what are you focused on? Focused on the trap door, just watching, staring, gun aimed at it. Kind of expecting something to come down from it? Expecting something, but like still just kind of chanting prayers in her head. I think we've moved on to the Our Father this time. So okay. <laughs> just, just, just praying, keeping herself focused, aiming at the trap door. Yeah, uh, Evan is terrified and uh the only way he sees through this is completing the ritual so so that just continues to be his focus and yeah just continuing to be eyes locked on uh father mccartney just absolute focus to make sure nothing stops that gotcha all right and then after a few moments things seem to die down a little bit the the house starts you know, the shaking starts to slow down. The goo has kind of hardened on some of the walls and doesn't seem to be dripping down from the ceiling. And I think to a degree, whether you want, whether you want to or not, you all kind of breathe a sigh of relief because it seems like, you know, you're at least not in the middle of this, this chaos at the moment. Ten more minutes go by. The, the students and the priest have very faithfully continued the chanting. And... Margaret, I I think you're kind of even your focus from the trap door has shifted a little bit. You you always you know you always come back up there. You kind of look back up there. You point the gun at it, but you're kind of trying to keep an eye on other things, and so you're kind of doing a pace you know a circle of the room. And you look outside, and you see you think you see something moving along the ground. It's hard to even tell what it is, but in the light of the moon, you see that the tall grass and the weeds are kind of parting as something small is moving through it like you know it's it's like it's maybe the size of a cat and it's getting closer and closer what do you do is it a broken window uh no i think this is i think this is a whole window i think she just alerts evan and primarily evan to the existence of something outside in the grass but like doesn't like she'll she'll keep her aim at it but doesn't i don't want to like shoot the window or anything i don't want to give it an entrance so, so just let Evan know that something's happening outside and turn the majority of her focus to that. So, and, and at that point, um, Evan will pick up his gun as well. And do you want, you walk over to the window also? Uh, towards it still, you know, again, still most of the focus is, is on the ritual, but I, I can see this is concerning. Yeah. And you kind of, as you kind of move closer and Margaret, you keep your eyes locked outside the window the thing moves even closer, and then you see it leap from the grass and jump toward the window. And as its claws cling to the shutters, you see exactly what it is. Evan, it's that raccoon that you saw yesterday. It's clinging to the shutters, and its chest and ribcage have been ripped open, and it starts gnawing and clawing at the wood around the window. And that is where we are going to end our story for now. Demon raccoon! <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's normal raccoon behavior. <laughs> There's no worse animal that could possibly attack us than a raccoon. <laughs> this podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Chaosium Inc. slash Moon Design Publications LLC, which are used under Chaosium Inc.'s fan material policy. 
We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Chaosium Inc. For more information about Chaosium Inc.'s products, please visit chaosium.com. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. Podcast.